Welcome to the Heart of Soul podcast, an exploration of who you are, what you are, and why you are, offering new ways to investigate age-old questions at the heart of you. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. Today we begin a second three-part series to lay down some additional meta-framework for what's to come. These three items are the fundamental ways in which identity is different from all other paradigms. Today we cover the first premise, which is that as humans we are responsible for the contents of our unconscious, as difficult as that may be, as well as the second premise, that we are at root emotive beings before we are willful, mental, or physical beings at the level of soul. As usual, we fall into some fascinating rabbit holes related to the history of consciousness, how different paradigms circle around this issue, the difference between healing causes and treating symptoms, victimhood, the limits of mainstream psychology, and a lot more. Lastly, I'll remind you that it really is best to listen to this podcast from the very beginning and in the episode order. Thanks for listening. So this next segment we were talking about addressing, what do we call these three things? The three what? Well, um, the first three were general reasons why the um, earth is confused with holarchies and hierarchies, with soul age, and with uh, energy being secondary to love in that, in that case. These are more specific reasons, more uh, self-defining reasons why the earth is confused. Mm-hmm. So uh, we talked more about the collective bigger picture uh, in the first bunch of uh, podcasts, and now we're going to shift to the personal ones, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the first premise being now the the way you talked about these in the past was these were uh, three ways in which identity was different from any other paradigm. Do you still hold them as such? Yes, uh, I I can describe them a little differently over the years as it mm-hmm. evolves, but uh, mm-hmm. these have sta- stayed uh, steady. <clears throat> and again, any, anything in identity over the years, as you know, uh, Joseph, um, the assumptives, the assumptions are held with an open hand and uh, always tested for contradictability. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things about a paradigm, any paradigm, has got to withstand critical thinking-based exposure of contradictions. Uh, that's using you know, logic and rationality as the, as the algorithm for that. But there's a place for rationality uh, in, in, uh, in spirituality. It's not an either-or as too many um, spiritual teachings, especially from the East. One well, no, of the West, too, um, sure. just don't support um, heavy-duty, reasonable mentation. So, Yeah, and that's one of the things I love about identity, and I think is a turnoff for um, many uh, very intelligent people. It's like if uh, they, they feel mm-hmm. as if they're called to or demanded to depart uh, their, leave their rationality behind and just trust or, you know, endure comments like you're too much in your mind. And it's uh-huh. like, okay, well, what's a smart person to, to do with that? Uh, that's a whole <laughs> other rabbit hole that we, um, so yeah, we're, we, uh, we like smart people, uh, identity likes smart people. The mental body is an aspect of our perceptual faculties and it's not something that needs to be sold out on. Um, but at the same time, it's, uh, not capable of encountering the divine according to, identity right right it, it can help it can resonate um, um, uh, or dissonate with the divine but it can't access the divine mm-hmm. 
-hmm. And that's another really interesting point. Um, because when we say um, you, you don't leave your mind at the door um, when you explore identity, the only uh, caveat to that is there are moments where instead of saying, uh, oh, you're, you're too much in your head right now, identity uh, ideally would say, um, right now your mental faculties um, are in, the, in a domain that doesn't, isn't helpful right now. Um, and then try to navigate that direction without shaming any aspect of our being. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's a good segue into this first premise, which is, I'll uh, give it a shot, uh, that human beings are responsible for the contents of their unconscious. How's that as phrasing it? Or is, that's perfect. Edit? Uh, perfect? Yeah, perfectly and perfectly. Uh, this is a fundamental, um, I wouldn't put it the first, but you've, you've got, you mentioned it first, so let's go there. It's okay. all workable. Um, we can go in any one of these three uh, uh, dynamical. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, unfortunately, one of the things uh, specifically relative to the personal being that um, uh, Earth is, uh, human beings are confused about is that very, very few beings, even though psychology uh, with... Um, with uh, Jung and Freud and Adler is over a hundred years old. Um, the science, the psychological revolution that happened in the late 1800s and early 1900s makes one thing crystal clear that was not crystal clear to the world before that point. And that can be distilled down to that the unconscious rules, rules the conscious until the conscious realizes how much the unconscious rules the conscious. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that means very simply that um, everything we, con we are conscious of has unconscious sources. Um, the way we look at anything, respond to anything, analyze anything, relate to anything is dependent upon priorly established and largely wound-based conditionings to our unconscious. Um, and so there's a there's a psychological um, bandwidth here in um, identity that begins with this premise, Joseph. Um, not only are we ruled in all of our conscious domains by bandwidths and dynamics on, in the unconscious, this is the stickler. We are responsible. We are responsible for the content of our unconscious. And at first, lots of people think this is really unfair. Well, how, do, how can I be responsible for what I'm not conscious of? Yeah. And, and that's exactly the next place to go. And, and then when someone says, how am I supposed to be responsible for what's unconscious? Learn to get it conscious. Uh, so Start by uh, really, really, really wanting to know what's, yes. what's that. That's certainly a prerequisite. Oh, for sure. That curi Without that curiosity, uh, anything that we talk about that comes out of, in, in, a, in a form or an expression, um, in, a, um, uh, uh, in a conscious way, is rooted in unconscious dynamics. So, we literally are not free agents of our own being 
while we do not are not curious about how the unconscious rule, rules the conscious. And I want to uh, add something in here because, you know, we're at a very um, special time in the evolution of consciousness because psychology is so much in its infancy, even though most people probably wouldn't realize that. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's like when we discovered that uh, the Earth was not the center of the universe, it took surely hundreds of years for that to sort of catch on and the, all the implications astronomically and physically um, to, for that to sort of spread out. And here we are with psychology being a little over 120 years old. If you'd said, oh, I unconsciously, you know, burned my toast this, this morning. If you said that 100 years ago, they would have no idea what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, because right. it hadn't the, the psychological insights that did exist then hadn't yet trickled down into mainstream consciousness. And now we have terms like projection and uh, codependence that are were highly, highly technical terms not long mm -hmm. ago. And sure. now everybody thinks that they're uh, a, a shrink because they can, you know, make these sort of, <laughs> oh, he's a narcissist and blah, blah, blah. But actually, we have to remember, like I like to say to people, um, when, psycho when physical science was as old as psychology, everything was made of earth, fire, air, and water. That's so right. we probably have some ways to go. <laughs> well, yeah, and he nicely put Joseph in uh, identity. We'd just like to nudge that uh, mm -hmm. just a little bit, um, maybe accelerate it uh, in in its best uh, uh, um, play out. But this is an important point you make about the historicity dimension mm -hmm. that you just brought in, because every single spiritual perspective present on Earth today, even the New Age amalgamations of mm -hmm. spiritual, traditional spiritual orientations, were all born in the axial age, 25, 2,000 to 2,500 years ago. In other words, every spiritual paradigm on the planet, including the amalgamations in what's called New Age or Now Age, were all seeded, uh, codified, dogmatized, and institutionalized in a pre-psychological era. Yeah. Long before, like uh, when the axial age ended, I think six or eight hundred AD or something. So yes, something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, uh, and so what? That's an incredibly important point that most people don't appreciate when, while they argue the merits uh, of the content of spiritual uh, traditions or their practices or their assumptions, that when you look at it as as all of them being pre-psychological, there's no unconscious. There's no analysis of, of first of all, how we're conditioned um, other than dualistically, how we're emotively conditioned yeah. by our experience. Um, there, there's, there's no, there's no um, appreciation for anything to measure in terms of the, the uh, sobriety or rightness or wrongness of a human being, except what secondarily comes out. Yeah. Not what's, where does it sourced from? Right. And it make, but it makes me think of, of course, the psyche was there all along, but we see things like let he who is without sin cast the first stone, which mm -hmm. is, you know, you could argue, arguably pre psychological, 
but you can kind of feel the barrier because it doesn't say, look at how you hate yourself and are so self-critical that you're projecting this onto this other person, which would go, yes. would be a call to actually look inward rather than just change your behavior. It's just a whole different thing. So, so, so it's, it's, I think that's very tricky. And I spend a lot of time on long walks imagining what things were like and because how do you transport someone to, you know, 2000 years ago when all the concepts of psychology that we enjoy today were unheard of, but we all had psyches. It's not like it wasn't happening. So like, well, well how did they relate to the unconscious before Freud and Boyer, you know? Well, there, there was a fundamental, um, uh, um, let's say modicum of attention to what's unconscious mm -hmm. when um, uh, Western exotericism posits original sin in as the basis for yes. all of our conscious issues and actions and motivations and intentions. Right. Right. So, so that you could say that was in the direction of the unconscious, mm -hmm. but uh, not, not in terms of, uh, of being analytically facile. In other words, the, there was no um, deeper look at um, that. That's just a fiat. And certainly uh, they weren't talking about parenting as being the origin of it. No, no. Unless you meant your great, great, great to the millionth power parents, Adam and Eve, somehow <laughs> whose morality sure. we've inherited. Yeah. Right. And in the same, and on the Eastern, Eastern esotericism, what is unconscious to us is how we're dualistically uh, conditioned to have a false illusory eye. Mm. That's unconscious too. But see, there's two different dimensions to the term unscious. Unconscious and those two examples are just we're not aware of until yeah, we're yeah. told. Mm -hmm. Whereas we're talking about the unconscious as a hotbed of, of, of information without which all we can do, and this is no exaggeration, without access to unconscious material, all we can do is treat symptoms. Mm. That's all we can do because all, all symptoms move out of causes and causes are in the unconscious 70, 80%. Mm -hmm. So when you don't have a way First of all, to access the unconscious, much less become responsible for it uh, in everything that you do, which, which if you were aware of the content enough to say, I'm responsible for contributing this to that situation, therefore, I can't be a victim to the degree I want to feel like a victim. Oh, I want to feel like a victim. Is that part of my unconscious too? You see, it's a, it's a rabbit hole that psychology has had mixed success with. Mm -hmm. Freud, you know, Freud, um, uh, uh, he, he, all he could do is do free association. Um, uh, Rorschach blots came later, a little later. Dream analysis. That was probably Dream the beginning analysis. of it where it's like, yes. okay, something's trying to be communicated here. How do we interpret it? It's from exactly. the unconscious. Yes. So from the very beginning, they were trying to make the unconscious conscious. That was the goal, right? They, they were, they were. And that, that to me is the most succinct way of appreciating the radical paradigm shift of humanity that came with the psychological age. Mm-hmm. Not, not all the bells and whistles or all the fact that these were all imperfect beings and so how can you trust them um, but but without that we would not be today where where we have the ability 
now to not just have hit or miss free association or Rorschach plots or dream analysis. We have another whole venue that identity um, uh, utilizes to uncover unconscious material. And I got to say, it's it's tough tough timing in a way for uh, identity coming into the world because people are all over the map psychologically. You know, you mm -hmm. have people on one hand who've done therapy for 10, 20 plus years, and then you have other people who think it's witchcraft and, you know, wouldn't go anywhere near it. And like the very idea that they could be projecting something for from their unconscious onto another person, they would fight tooth and nail against, even though it could be obvious to every other person in the room. So to me, it really always strikes me just how all over the map we are related to psychology, even though it's been an ology for over 120 years. We're not in disagreements about cells having mitochondria in them, but we're all over the map related to how responsible, what, what the unconscious is, A, uh, right. what's in it, and certainly the most uh, controversial is how responsible we are for it. Yes. Without, without that responsibility, we're technically victims of ourselves and our own impulses, right? Yeah. Uh, and our own understandings. Uh, there is nothing either in the emotional realm or the uh, mental realm or the analytical realm that is not sourced by some previously um, conditioned orientation to, um, to uh, human experience. And in identity's case, we, we certainly don't shy away from uh, analysis, but it's way second to emotivity as the, um, let's say, the uh, algorithm to get into the unconscious. We don't look for information qua information. We look for emotive impressionism, emotive impressionism. Mm -hmm. And so... When in modern day, though, as you referenced from another angle a few minutes ago, um, now psychology has so much devolved just to the practical. Okay, yeah. not to heal something, but what can we do about this something that we don't know how to heal? How do we cope better? How do we reframe better? How do we uh, use our will to dig ourselves out of a hole, um, change perspectives, uh, look at our choice mechanisms, um, these are all downline interventions that have to deal or cope with um, material that we, a lot of times now, modern psychology, they've hit a dead end. They don't know how mm -hmm. to get at source material in the unconscious in any sort of efficacious and repeatable way. Identity found a way, but based on an entirely different uh, definition of human consciousness, that's what it takes. Mm -hmm. So, so to be to stay on track here for this, mm -hmm. to be responsible for our unconscious means to actually finally uh, be able to be um, self-responsible. With you can't even use the word self-responsibility in any sort of sober way unless you uh, learn and accept and be curious about the nature of your unconscious. Yeah, and I think the the victimhood thing is probably something we should talk more about because it's um, what e identity. Correct me if I'm wrong. Would say um, I think I'm just rephrasing what you just said. Unless we take a very proactive, um, let no stone be unturned approach to our own unconscious, we cannot help but end up playing victim. Um. No argument there. In some form or expression, we could not help but do otherwise. 
so it's got to be proactive and it's got to be curious and and the means of the algorithm to get at to utilizing that proactivity is critical there's no amount of okay i'm going to sit down and meditate and 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 find and let whatever waft up out of my unconscious wants to waft up mm-hmm. um and and I'll, I'll put an intention out um, i want to figure out why i'm drawing um men or women who always leave me or other mm-hmm. yeah either way um okay i'm going to meditate now to clear my conscious and then mm. And then, with that intention, hopefully something will 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 waft up into awareness. This is really um, uh, catches catch can kind of stuff, and it's not it's not um, ridiculous, but it's certainly not to the level of effectiveness that we require to actually transmute from the inside out, rather than just transform to be more efficacious or more or get our goals met better. Wait, why do you have those goals in the first place? That's all in the unconscious. Why do you um, draw uh, men or women who leave you? Um, because an unconscious part of you wants them to leave. And why does it want it to leave? Because it's terrified of closeness in some reason. Because okay. last time it was close. Yeah, it let me interject. And play de- yeah, let me play devil's advocate then. So let's say okay. someone who's been in therapy for 20 years said, says, uh, especially like psychoanalysis. Well, for uh, t- let, let's, let's, let's talk about Woody Allen then. There, there you go. <laughs> So that's just someone says, well, I've investigated this ad nauseum. I understand all of why, and I use the word understand uh, intentionally. I understand all of what the why is, but it hasn't changed anything. And your answer would be? Because um, the information that was gleaned out of your unconscious by your talk-centered psychotherapist was only interested in the information, not the emotive context that that information is contained within. Uh-huh. In other words, you can get a ton of information through psychoanalysis, uh, no argument there, but applicationally, all it does is give you more information and it allows your choice mechanisms to go, oh, here, here's this choice moment that I learned about this and this wound inside me um, so I'm going to choose differently. Okay, that's better than not, but mm-hmm. but you're still not directing your attention to what caused that uh, moment to come up so that you choose to express it differently. Mm-hmm. What, uh, when we talk about nature of the unconscious, we're talking about causality domains in psychology, not, not forms and expressions, but the essence of what's in the unconscious. And this so, is and this occurred in children before there was much of a mental body. So it needs to be met homeopathically in an impressionistic, emotive kind of heart field in order to actually digest. Is that right? Wow. Did I get that's, that right? That, that's skip, skipping ahead about five chess games yeah, there. Uh, yeah. That was good. Um, skipping that's ahead. how the un- what 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 is the if we start talking about what is in the unconscious, we have to start in childhood, obviously. Mm-hmm. But let's let's stick with your current your current uh, frame, because the reason it didn't change anything mm-hmm. is that your psychotherapist has not. Um, they've gotten insight about their own work, which is mandated in psychoanalysis. But they're not in their own work, according to the Freudian track that they're on. It's evolved a bit, but it's um, it's still there, the meat of it, that uh, all you need is information to 
uh, to change. Yeah. And it's completely mentalized. But mm -hmm. identity is not based in I think or mentate, therefore I am. Uh -huh. So uh, uh, Freudian psychoanalysis is based on I think, therefore I am, or I mentate, therefore I am, or in some cases I have a will, therefore I am, so I can change, right? Yeah, right. As a sideline. So um, uh, the limits that we have in psychology at getting access to the uh, content of the unconscious is limited by their assumption of the essence of human consciousness. I think, therefore, I am. I mentate, therefore, I am. Mm -hmm. Identity is based at, like it is uh, like every other institutionalized secular or spiritual paradigm. It's based on emotivity. We feel, therefore, we are. And that that takes a ton of unpacking to make sure people get what identity means. Yeah, it's means very different. That. And I yeah, think... Part of what is so difficult um, is that things like psychotherapy, talk therapy, um, I say this about meditation when people use it to clear their minds. I'll say the problem with that is that it works a little mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so that insight, that understanding, as you were saying, it gives you, it, it, it augments your choice mechanism. So you choose less from the unconscious, but because it doesn't heal the root, it doesn't 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 go all the way and then the seduction i think is ooh that mental insight helped mm -hmm. me it worked a little bit i guess uh -huh. therefore i just need more yeah exactly if and it didn't work at all it would have dead ended a long time ago right that that's a that's um a sisyphus situation you know oh, yeah um it works in some small dimensional ways for minor kinds of insight uh, retrievals yeah but um if you then characterize that 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 works, you'll be pushing that boulder up that slope, and it'll be keep rolling down over you. Uh, you'll hit a limit on that very quickly, and, and then you blame yourself then, instead of, of the course, paradigm. What, what am I? What am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Or the therapist may not say this to you, but think inside them themselves while you're in session. What am I going to do to get this person to take responsibility for the information? Mm. And, and whether or not they know that, even if they're thinking that, that's going to be received in some way by the client or patient across this couch from them or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's going to feed right into why the information in the first place is so hard to stick where the rubber meets the road. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, Pursuant to everything that we're going to say in the series, um, everything that uh, the paradigm of identity um, is is poured in the foundation of is this prime primacy of human consciousness as emotive, which not un not uh, um, uncoincidentally is one one of the next uh, options here in in our in our threesome that we're Should talking. Should we go there? About. I think we let, covered the let, first one pretty thoroughly. Well, let's go there and and then and let's use it use it to make um, mm -hmm. uh, 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 linkages to explain a couple other dimensions of the yeah. unconscious. Okay, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we feel, therefore, I am defines human consciousness as emotive, and there's a link to spirituality inherent to that. We'll talk about later, but since we're staying strictly at the moment in psychological dimensions, um, rebasing the essence of human consciousness as emotive utterly undermines the entire basis of psychology as we know it today. 
it's not that the the the, the therapists and and uh, and shrinks don't deal with emotions. They deal with emotions every day. Sticky things, the sticky glue that keeps our um, non-functional or or not optimal um, versions of ourselves together. Uh, it's not it's not that they're not working with emotions, but they're not their entire training and orientation to life and themselves is not based on that emotivity is the primary uh, um, uh, essence of uh-huh. human consciousness. Uh-huh. You see? So you can work with emotions all day long. It's not going to be what identity is trying to get across here. Um, if, if, it, if it is true, and again, everything that we're saying here um, has a goal to reduce suffering in hu- humans, you and I aren't doing this podcast to hear ourselves talk here. We we, we know this stuff pretty well, even though I lo- enjoy talking to you so much. It never much. gets old, but yeah, we know. No, we but, but remember the context here is that, that identity wants to um, address human suffering in a whole other dimension that has been brought that, that hasn't been brought by any other psych- secular or spiritual or religious paradigm. And that's all based on emotivity as the essence of our consciousness. That before, in any one moment, um, we em- are in an emotional uh, relatedness with any momentary experience that then secondly um, uh, um, um, uh, moves us energetically to mentate or abstract our reaction, and then thirdly, to act on it. So, and, and psychology, some, some physiologists uh, who've got some double degrees uh, in psychology and physiology have, have already acknowledged this, that prior to the mind catching up, we are in an emotional response first mm-hmm. in every moment of our life. That's not, that's not new. But no one, I don't understand. That's been out there for about 20 years. But but no one connect the dots on that. When I learned about marketing 20 years ago, one of the basic premises that human beings make purchasing decisions emotionally slash unconsciously first and then Mm -hmm. justify it mentally. And that was right around the time where I started to learn your paradigm. And it hit me like, well, if we make purchasing decisions that way, and so much money has been put into that research, there's absolutely no question. Because there's a whole lot of dollars that have been made that way. Why would we make any other decision not that way? It's all decisions. It's all decisions. Purchase decision is just like, so you choose a mate rationally. You choose to have a child rationally. You choose that candy bar rationally. No, it's all irrationally for non-rationally first. Right. So why why haven't the dots been connected on that? I I don't get it. Because look look at how sticky it gets, Joseph, when someone says... um, um, uh, uh, economics are based on um, provide uh, on, on investments are based on self-interest. Mm-hmm. Wait, what do you mean self self-interest? Uh, uh, and and econ- economists will tell you um, people don't spend money based on self-interest that's conscious to them at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. It's based on an emotive response that's not rational, which is why yeah. it's so hard yeah. to get people to. Toe, toe the line. And if any of our listeners on. doubt that, the the best book I know for that is called Predictably Irrational, which provides study and example after example after example where people act in ways that really many people would think are insane, but are repeatable because it's uh, it's it's a, they're revealing the unconscious motives. It's quite fascinating. Yes. 
Thanks for referencing that. Uh, so what I want to say about that is that this is not a new insight. Yeah. But what is new is that identity um, defines the entirety of, of human consciousness as emotively based. And, and that changes almost every way we look at what is a human being and why does a human being act and, and uh, the way they act. You have to start with emotivity first. Um, so you know, I wanted to add a piece to that from, from before related to this. Um, so all, all of psychology then, the way it's mostly practiced because everybody's doing, their, every therapist is doing their own thing in many ways. But in general, if their orientation toward emotion is, and tell me, correct me if I'm wrong here, the characterization is like, well, emotions like, they come up and they get in the way of your functionality. And so if the emotions are really difficult, sometimes they need to be listened to, heard. We can trace it back to your family of origin issues, uh, vent it, let it land, and then it can change how the person shows up. That mm -hmm. that general model, which is how it looks to me, and I think you know, you vary 10 or 20% in different ways, but that's a wholly different paradigm than yes. core emotivity is essentially who and what you are. Exactly. And it's not about dealing with those emotions so that you can go back to the life you thought you were supposed to live. It's about right. discovering who you essentially have always been, always but, been, but never really expressed mm -hmm. because it's all locked away. And yes. that's a wholly different thing between identities, uh, treatment of emotions or uh, orientation toward emotions and mainstream psychology. Yes. Technically, in most applications, um, emotivity is seen as the impediment yeah. to goal yeah. manifestation. Right. right? Mm -hmm. uh, because technically, emotion is framed as irrational. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Uh, uh, it's irrational because it's our check against the overuse of rationality to self-identify, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so uh, the fact that uh, back in the 80s when the, um, when the internet was just starting to come out, I was the only uh, person, uh, if you wanted to look up uh, uh, emotions, I was, I was the only one with the, with the, website that said there's no such thing as a negative emotion mm -hmm. um, since then there's been a couple others most notably as someone in europe a man who um also abides by we feel therefore we are in some manner but his is strictly therapeutically focused it has nothing to do with connecting to spirituality um, and all the different iterations that way it's a very fundamentally different application but I want to honor that because now, now there is a, even a book out there, um, uh, I Feel Therefore I Am. Um, and that's his picture of things. And I, I love that someone else is talking about this, mm -hmm. but it's not the same scope or depth that, that, that the way identity comes at the issue. Yeah, and surely so, as culturally, people are more and more embracing this idea that all emotions are okay. All feelings are okay. It's been going off to the races and some applications of that, like, uh, okay, you feel you don't want this person speaking at the university, uh, therefore your feelings need to be honored and we're canceling that person. That's <laughs> It's gone quite far in, the, in some strange directions. Sure. Um, sure. But it is evolving in lots of different ways. It is, and, and uh, 
and identity can explain that whole arc of evolution. Yeah. But the point the point here is that emotivity is largely seen as impedimentary yeah. to uh, clean satisfaction, that our emotions take us to addictive states, our emotions take us to drama, our emotions, our emotions, our emotions. Identity says, um, stop, take a breath. Emotivity is not the impediment to self-actualization or, or, or um, self-authentication. They are the fundament of it. And that's why they can say there's no such thing as a negative emotion. All feelings are reasonable, yeah. but we mean something different. That's an energetic say. acknowledgement, not a <laughs> proactive investigation. And, and sure, sure. It's in the right. It's in the right direction. Yeah. Um, but again, this is all the white noise out there, especially the last 20 years, um, 30 years, where even Eckhart Tolle was forced to address emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's talking about them, and that's good. But back in the 80s, there was a fundament already poured waiting for people to get interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this um, podcast is a lovely um, uh, invitation to do just that. Mm-hmm. I think so, we need, I think we need an example here though. So I'm, I keep, I keep okay. imagining uh, right. a, a guy who is so depressed he can't get out of bed, and you know his work is suffering. So um, you know he shows up at the therapist's door, and the, the therapist A says, "Oh well, your depression is impedimentary to your functioning. We have to mm-hmm. do something to treat it." There are pills, options you can take. There's talk therapy we can do. What SSRs, does, yeah, S- yeah, SSRIs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what, what does? Where's the 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 identity representative, whatever that looks like? The, the identity paradigm, if it could speak, would say, oh, "Congratulations, you're in touch with a, um, uh, you know, a, a wave of uh, emotion or beginning to be in touch with it that's been there all along." This is your chance to follow that using this map and realize the the you you've never been but always have wanted to be. Kind of a tough sell, isn't it? <laughs> you could you could say that. Uh, here I am. Uh, um, uh, just entered my seventieth uh, uh, year on the planet uh, after forty years of of um, talking about this stuff, and um, uh, it, it's not making the slightest dent uh, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the world at the moment. So yeah, it's a tough sell uh, this way. But we have to remember here that um, let's let's stay with your example. There's something further uh, as uh, the psychological arm of identity, which we call the personhood dharma tr- dharmic track. Um, it has been evolving, uh, especially with the help of my beloved, uh, my my wife and soulmate, Bree. Um, soulmate, so that's another hot topic we've got to oh, talk about. Oh, for sure. About. We're doing an episode on that. Yeah. Okay. We're still um, laying the foundations, folks. So sure. We'll get to all that juicy stuff. Juicy, yeah. Sexy stuff, right? Yes. So, so um, uh, if someone came now to me or to Bree, uh, uh, with this depression thing, we not only would congratulate them, but we'd say there's another wrinkle here now. Uh, what we call depression now is just a feeling, mm-hmm. not the core wounded emotion. It's a symptomatic play out of unresolved grief, mm. which is emotive. You only depress because you've got a, re- a repression mechanism somewhere in you that cannot allow you to process and thus resolve an, an inconsolable grief. Mm. 
Um, that will be the, that's the causative uh, uh, domain. And the causative domain is always about the core emotion, not the feeling play out. And now we're back to um, about um, uh, um, what we talked about uh, in an earlier podcast about energy and, and, and uh, emotion, mm-hmm. that there are energetic forms of core emotives called feelings. And virtually all psychology, self-help, um, Scientology, Tony Robbins are all based in feelings, feeling forms. And those are the energetic playouts of the core emotions. Grief just sits right here, halfway between your gut and your heart, like a rock, uh, a boulder, that grief. But when it actually moves to getting triggered in the outside world, it comes out as depression. Because there's an original grief that has not been resolved. Now, Mm -hmm. I've never heard of any therapist, and I've met some good ones, who've ever had a a reducibility from feeling to core emotions. And so that's another wrinkle here, Joseph, why Mm -hmm. this talk about being uh, primarily emotive is so important. Because if you don't have that picture, you're going to mistake passing moods and feelings for for the emotions that actually are hiding in the unconscious Mm -hmm. back to our original start yeah and you know i was just speaking today to a small group about um some of these ideas and uh it's there are i don't know how to even say it not quite analogs but there almost should be a we should invent a word for these when these principles which we're holding as um, self-verifiable and intrinsic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that were the case, you would expect it to show up in different places if they were self-verifiable and intrinsic. You'd, you'd uh-huh. say like, well, how come identity is the only one who has these kinds of ideas? Well, what I really enjoy seeing where the people are actually on the trail of it. Like uh, there's a philosopher named Stephen Jenkins uh, who holds that grief is a spiritual process and that it needs to be engaged in. It's like identity would agree, but it would also have a very specific map about where it is, what to do with it, and how to get to the very bottom of it. Um, And that it's not just a spiritual issue, but a a childhood slash emotive one. Or also that um, it's easy to see that someone who loses a loved one and goes on antidepressants because they can't bear the pain of it. Uh, I know people like that who are still dealing with the depression from someone who died 10 10 years ago because they didn't actually let the grief take them on that journey. And we would say probably because there's an even deeper grief that preceded that, that is is getting triggered up by it. Exactly. And so when you medicate with an SSRI um, or intervene with Big Farm here, what you're going to do is cut off the doorway to that grief underlying the depression because you're taking care of the secondary energetic feeling play out of the grief. And if you feel better, there's no impetus to go deeper, you see. So sometimes with some people's metabolisms, um, uh, the uh, the drug uh, can, can um, open a slight door to a deeper issue. But for the vast majority of people, um, uh, it doesn't. It it has the power to close it off. Mm -hmm. So while we're medicating and helping uh, big pharma CEOs have golden toilets, um, (laughs) uh, the humanity goes on careening like uh, like a pinball game, trying to find what 
what makes where is that inner peace where where is that that center in me that i effortlessly move through every moment and make decisions that are right for me even if they feel a little weird or um or out of uh, the conditioned contracts of our world so the, there's no magic bullet here and identity isn't claiming it but remember the again i want to say all of this nice reasonable head talk is in service of serving suffering in human beings and identity says there's three full domains that um that uh, we suffer in a personhood focused one um a sagely uh, a sagely one that um is addressed by eastern esotericism and a saintly one that's addressed by a western exotericism so these are these are three domains of human suffering at the level of existential um uh, stuckness that and you can't get at and heal unless you first start out your journey with the assumption that we are a mode of beings before we're mental beings before we're willful beings before we're physical beings um unless you start there and have a dharma tuned to all the repercussions of that you're just going to be juggling uh doing a juggling act with all the things that you feel and yeah. and making goals out of and i also want to make sure we uh presence that uh, I, I know uh, that neither of us thinks that there's no place for pharmaceuticals uh, no. and that some there's, everything is a time and a place. And of course, those drugs are miracles in many ways and save lots of lives. It's just uh, when they yes. become dependent on uh, and, yes. and there's not a curiosity and a desire to get off of them because, of course, pharmaceutical yes. companies have no incentive to get people off the drugs that they prescribe. No, that's a that's exactly right. No, it's a, I'm glad you brought that point in because there's no way many times that identity can help get to um, the core emotivity until the person becomes a bit more functional. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's where the drugs can be uh, helpful. So we, we don't um, uh, say that you have to get off drugs to be able, uh, SSRIs to be able to do identity's dharmic work in the personhood domain anyway. So um, in that sense, um, uh, psychologically, you have to be minimally functional to be able to be strong enough and stable enough to go into the deeper domains of emotivity. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, emotivity or um, uh, uh, identity w w would identify any number of what passes for emotions here as simple feelings and uh, like like boredom. Boredom mm -hmm. is a feeling. It's, it's a feeling. But when someone is the root emotion in uh, boredom is anger. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so if you find someone, if you're bored, your your person or yourself is pissed off somewhere, and uh, when you find that, the boredom magically vanishes uh, because the core emotive, the core emotive that it was, or the core emotion that it was um, uh, uh, connected to has been revealed. Anger about what's missing, I imagine, which is one of the ways exactly. we define anger. Right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So let's take that opportunity, Joseph. Um, three levels to the emotive body of human beings the deepest uh -huh. are three core emotives mm -hmm. joy sorrow compassion joy sorrow compassion those are capacities of soul the primary colors of the capacity of soul you could say that beautiful mm -hmm. the next level are core emotions the 
discrete emotions that that are created when joy and uh, uh, when joy is wounded by our experience. It turns uh, joy into different uh, dimensions, like a prism. Our, our, our woundedness in childhood, for example, changes joy and uh, our basic aliveness of joy into uh, like a prism and breaks it into component woundings, mm-hmm. like, like um, uh, grief and like uh, uh, um, a rage and anxiety and, um, and uh, shame. shame yeah. uh, th- those are all secondary core emotions. Um, and then we have the feeling versions of um, the core emotions. And so most psychology and philosophy, that the philosophy of psychology, which is- Wait, a, a examples really, of those feelings? Um, uh, put one out for me. Um, uh, downstream of grief, I guess depression, we hadn't named that Depression one. is that, That's right. surface level. Uh, right. Anxiety, it's a surface level of that. Uh, agitation. Yes, sure. Um, Annoyance, impatience. impatience. Yeah, impatience is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, rage is actually a, a feeling version of honest anger. Anger is a mm-hmm. core emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, hurt uh, uh, is a core emotion. And downline um, versions of hurt in the levels of feelings are um, show, show up as shyness, timidity, um, um, uh, innocence. Um, Innocence, mm-hmm. uh, sure, um, but hurt uh, and anxiety, anger, grief, and um, shame, shame. Um, are the core emotions that are caused by wound, the prismatic wounding of our joyful aliveness in childhood. Um, and then the 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 the, uh, the feelings, any number of feelings, different variations of those core emotions. So unless you have that schemata, you're going to be treating things haphazardly, not only with drugs but with talk therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why the only reason big pharma got got into the game, Joseph, is because uh, uh, in the '60s, uh, '50s, and '60s. Um, talk therapy hit a dead end. Yeah, if talk therapy wildly was successful, uh, the, the um, pills with all sorts of side effects would not be nearly as uh, appealing, mm. I'm sure. That's exactly right. So we change the, we change the rules of the game here uh, when we say that um, core emotion. And so as long as we're talking about that while we're on emotional primacy, let's, let's talk about the three core wounded emotions that are at the basis for the three dharmas and oh you want to go in existential fears just just to name them for okay all right okay just just to name we should probably close the next five or ten minutes but yeah sure that's fine um and then we'll wrap it up okay um uh Identity, when it looks at the soulful depth of a human being, sees three major contractions way deep in the unconscious. Um, And that is um, a terror of being, existential terror of being, an existential terror of not being, and an existential terror of non-being. The the terrors of being are addressed in the personhood sort of psychological dimension of of identity's dharmas. The terror of not being um, is based, is what Eastern esotericism has attempted to deal with or use or or ski down the mountain of. Um, The terror of not being is literally, terrors of being are, I'm terrified to be alive in a world I can't control. 
um, that, that I have no, it's dangerous and there's nothing I can do about it except try to survive. That's, that's deep in us as a terror of being. A terror of not being is the, is the opposite, the, the, the absolute terror of termination, of self-termination, uh, the end of the I, the end of selfhood. Uh, Which people experience East. more superficially as the fear of death, but it's actually mm -hmm. deeper than that even. Oh, far deeper, uh, especially when they load up on immortality projects of, of, uh, of soul, soul continuity neurotically so they don't have to feel the terror of not being we saw a lot of that fear of death or fear of not being playing out during the pandemic which is still going on as we record this so just absolutely absolutely did this this the all of western medicine is based on the idea basically that living is better than dying even though dying is inevitable it's that's a whole other discussion isn't it we'll get and, to and it yeah and lastly, the, the last of uh, the trio is a terror of non-being, and that's what Western uh, exoteric religionism tries to address. Terror of non-being is how, how do I share my personal will for my life with um, the will of a divinity that I can feel I'm inside of? Um, this is all of religions, especially Christianity and Islam and, and Judaism, they all focus on um, that, that there must be a submission to the will of their God uh, in order to do rightly and earn a birth in paradise or heaven or whatever. Um, the terror of non-being is much more um, subtle than that sledgehammer. It's that, that, that we're supposed to learn how to share our will, not hedonistically take it all on ourselves or submiss, uh, surrendering it completely to divine being in most situations. You have to learn how to share. And sometimes if you spent your life in religion, surrendering your personal will in service of God or Allah or, um, or Yahweh, um, you're going to have to spend some time uh, uh, operating out of the sanctity of your own will to offset that. If you spent a lifetime being a hedonist, and you want you suddenly had a vision or an, a shift, and all of a sudden, my God, there is a God of some kind. Maybe not the religious ones, but there's something there. And then you've got to then start uh, sharing your will with that. So terror of being, terror of not being, and terror of non-being. Uh, sharing your will, personal will, is like a non-state. It's like a weird in-between place. Mm -hmm. So those uh are the three. In order to elucidate this, let us revisit the holy car metaphor. You have to trade in your 1972 Pacer in personhood for a Ferrari. Could you just, I, it was one of my favorite metaphors. Can you complete it for us? Sure. Um, you, you've, got, you've got a jalopy, or as, as Wilbur's integrate, or, uh, integral theory says, you, there are three selves, right? The, um, the broken self, the actual self, and the real self. Uh, and the real self, of course, is non-dual. Um, uh, <laughs> How does the, that the, work? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's another whole wonderful discussion. Yeah, we'll get to that. How can the real that. self be non-dual? Right. Yeah. Um, well, identityless, uh, witnessness, identitylessness. It's a really interesting, uh, yeah. try to put words to it. At mm -hmm. any rate, um, you start out with, a, with, a, with an old uh, um, AMC, you know, and then you build your selfhood into a Ferrari. And then, that's personhood, uh, dealing that's with the fear of being. Right. Now you've got a Ferrari, and uh, you, have to, you have to literally drive that uh, uh, into a brick wall at 60 miles an hour to, to address the fear of destroying, utterly on purpose, <laughs> destroying your Ferrari. 
And then uh, once you get that, okay, you get through that. Now you got you get your Ferrari. To realize, to realize what that the Ferrari is not you, or what is it? Yes. To, yeah. for, to, to realize that that the accoutrements of self are not self. Yes. Uh, and then if you're holding on too much, right? That's awakening. That's that's enlightenment. Mm-hmm. In one dimension, yes. yes. And then you get your Ferrari fixed. Okay, now I've got a convertible uh, Ferrari, um, right? Uh, because I got all sorts of air over my seventh chakra, right? Ah, yes. And, and now you're in sainthood in the third piece. You've got to drive that Ferrari into a lake where you survive, but the Ferrari itself, um, because it's a comp- compensation for low self-worth somewhere in you and your soul, um, you've got to swim to the surface and go, okay, God, you're in charge. I'm not. Oh, it's a, okay. Well, now wait a minute. You used to say that as it was a lake in the second in sagehood, and right. in the third in the fear of non-being, you had to get in the back seat and let the divine drive. But that's not a co-creation. So um, this is better. Uh, that's it's evolved a little bit. It's the same basic. Uh, <laughs> yes, the metaphor has evolved. I love it. Really, identity is evolvable because it's not held as absolute anywhere. So wait, mm-hmm. let me let me get this straight. You, in the in non-being, <laughs> I want to learn this. I didn't know okay. this. This is this is two version of the metaphor. You drive yes. into a lake and swim to the surface, and then what happens? Um, you're caught in a current that you can't control. Oh, and you have to choose whether to swim with it or against it. Exactly. Oh, that, if you get, if that, you get a panic and try to get onto solid ground, and you go cross current. Um, you're going. You're going to. You're going to drown from riptides, for example, uh, in this metaphor. So, well, so, that's that's super cool because it doubles down on the loss of the Ferrari, because yes. you don't fully lose all of the because non-being and the fear of not being leaves the non-being sort of out because you still get to reconstitute some self after awakening. That non-being then sort of erodes at the nounification of it. So that's why wow. you end up with a Ferrari again. I can feel that because <laughs> I have more sagehood done than I do sainthood. So uh-huh. it, when you talked about the um, the lake part, it uh, struck a chord and it, it hurt a little bit in my chest, telling me that that's uh, still in front of me. Okay, Night, beautiful way to sum a, sum sum that. And remember, the only reason we just got into that uh-huh. uh, interesting uh, uh, assay is that it's all based in terror. These yeah. three exist existential level, which is even below the unconscious. It's previous to the unconscious that gets triggered in the unconscious, that then gets acted out in the conscious. Mm-hmm. So. That's that's taking that we are emotive beings before we are mental, willful, or physical beings to the nth degree. And that's why we brought it up now. So that's where I think we should, is it time to, to Yeah, to stop I think that's a good place to close. That was a lot. Yeah. And, um, so again, um, taking these two themes today, uh, Joseph, um, they're all based in identity, identity's desire to serve suffering in people not to just talk smart and 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 to always uh, circumscribe everything we talk about that we enjoy you and i um i like our iqs i i do and they're part (laughs) of our our being um but um uh it's all in service all everything we talked about today is in service of serving people in ways to maximize healing and he, the, the definition of healing is even different in identity yeah. because it's not just uh, assuagement of, to feel better. Um, so another whole topic. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, so my wish is that uh, some of the distinctions we talked about today might help people realize how they're dead-ending in the therapy that they might be in because um, therapy can be, uh, the way it's done in the mainstream, an absolutely necessary phase for many people to get from A to G. But when it stops being effective um, Mm -hmm. because the gods in white and science tell us like, well, this is it. And if it's not working for you, it's just implied it must be your fault rather than the paradigm's fault. It's like when, um, when when the very problem and the terrain that the problem exists in is not seen and misdiagnosed, well, then the, the, the healing, it can never heal all the way. Um, right. And that's what identity calls for. Yeah, exactly right. And unfortunately, when you dead end, some really, really you know, committed, self-transformative, gold people um, hit those dead ends, they tend to then um, break off into spirituality to yep. try to get at the stuff. And that's that even integral theory uh, um, uh, uh, confronts that. Um, so um, that's not the answer either. The answer is to stay with your personal focus, but switch over to an emotive-based track rather than a mental or a willful-based track. Switching to spirituality is what I did about seven years ago, and one mm-hmm. day I maybe we'll talk about that. So just to... Mm-hmm. to um, add to uh we're not high and mighty people talking about never having made no. mistakes <laughs> oh uh, my mistakes God. we have to talk about to all my mistakes at yeah. some time soon here too yeah we will so mm-hmm. well thank you yeah. stace this was rich as always and thanks for listening to our listeners i hope this was useful for you and next time uh we just have the third thing to complete what is the third can you can either of us um, remember oh yeah that the that the, um, the personal um, uh, we're responsible for our personal unconscious the content of our yeah. unconscious the uh, the um, personal our personal being our our I is emotive before it's willful mental or physical and the third one is of and to itself ah. the personal is spiritual. Well, I'm glad we all have a whole hour for that because we're going to yes. need it. That so, we will need it for that one. Yeah, sure. I guess that's why it worked out. We did two in one today. So until next time, if uh, this podcast is interesting to you, then you're going to be dying to hear about that next one. If you're not dying to hear about that, this podcast maybe isn't for you because I think it's fascinating. But uh, regardless, thanks for listening and thank you, Stace. And until next time. You betcha. Thanks for listening to the Heart of Soul podcast. To learn more about Stace Barron and Identity, please visit identity.org. To learn more about Joseph Shapiro, visit clearandopen.com. Until next time, we wish you well on your journey.